Hello and welcome to this audit and accounting podcast with uh, me, Phil Frost. This time what uh, we're going to be looking at is the most recent Financial Reporting Council's annual review of corporate reporting. So nice to be with you for this. Uh, This was issued just a few weeks ago, looking at uh, what the Financial Reporting Council have found in their review of annual accounts in the year 21-22, so really through to uh, March 2022. What the Financial Reporting Council do is they look at in excess of 250 sets of accounts during the course of the year, and they look at those in an absolute fine tooth comb. And from that, they then create their list of the most common problem areas, and they rank them. So and there is a top 10, whereas in fact, number one is the worst uh, worst performer, uh, 10 uh, <clears throat> being obviously far, far better than number one. So. Um, Number one's the worst, and we're going to work our way through from 10, 9, all the way up to number one, as though we're going through the charts and uh, going from uh, what's in what's in at number 10 all the way through to the worst um, worst performer. In essence, what they're doing is looking at these uh, 250-odd sets of accounts and saying, what are we finding? And then they'll score it and say, well, how many times are we finding issues with each of those separate matters? So the worst one, you know, it might be out of 150 instances out of uh, 250, it might be more or less than that. So we look at the top 10. Uh, and in doing so, what I will share with you is how things have changed in the in the last year or so, the last year or so. So in actual fact, in the top 10 this year, dropping out of the top 10 from last year, it was in last year, it's out this year, and that is leases. Uh, over the last couple of years, last two or three years, leases have been in the top 10, uh, more to do with the fact that capitalization of operating leases is now part and parcel of international accounting standards, and there were particular issues with disclosure. The accounting treatment, the debits and the credits, not too much of an issue. It was to do with the uh, the disclosure. So that's clearly got better, and that's dropped out of the, uh, out of the uh, top 10 worst performers. So let's get to our uh, uh, number 10. Well, in actual fact, not going to start with number 10 because there are two in ninth equal. And uh, the first one in ninth equal is presentation of financial statements and other disclosures. Now, this is a new entry, presentation, financial statements and other disclosures. New entry hasn't been in, in the top 10 for a few years. The problems, the problems that the Finance Reporting Council are finding here was that there was too much netting off of income and expenditure in the profit and loss account. They're also finding that the classification of assets and liabilities in terms of a split between current and non-current was not done properly. And then also they were identifying that there were material items in the accounts, yet there was no accounting policy for them. And one final one on this uh, is that there was inconsistency between how things were dealt with and disclosed in the current year's accounts compared to the comparative. So that's our first one of ninth equal. The other one, which is ninth equal, is impairment of assets, and in particular, impairment of fixed assets. This has gone from two years ago to being second place to last year fourth place, dropping down now to ninth equal. So seemingly, of course, things looking to be improving as far as impairment of assets are concerned. A couple of problems that are being identified as far as uh, impairment is concerned. First of all, as far as goodwill is concerned, 
uh, on international accounting standards, goodwill is subject to impairment review. It is not amortised. It's simply subject to an impairment review. And what was being found by the Finance Reporting Council is that where there is goodwill acquired in the current period, that still needs to have an impairment test at the end of the accounting period. So, you know, if you've got a December year end, but the acquisition took place in March, yes, we've got calculated the goodwill, we've determined that goodwill, but we still need to be considering an impairment come the 31st of December at the end of, of the year. Another particular observation as far as impairment is concerned that the Finance Reporting Council say is that there needs to be clearer, better disclosure. So that's our two in, in terms of ninth equal presentation, financial statements and impairment. So let's go to eighth. In eighth place is judgments and estimates. And that's a big mover because in the last three years, judgments and estimates was in first place. So it's gone from first and first and first now down to eighth. So significant improvement, much, much better, the Fires Reporting Council saying, um, <clears throat> notably, notably fewer instances. And uh, so to that degree, uh, it, it is though still there. So identifying some problems that are still in existence. Well, first of all, we're talking about judgments and estimates. As far as judgments are concerned, the Financial Reporting Council saying there's inconsistency between the judgment in the accounting policies and disclosure elsewhere in the accounts. And then the second aspect, judgments and estimates, as far as estimates are concerned, uh, lacking, lacking disclosure for key assumptions. But overall, hugely improved because for having had three plus years in the first place, the worst place, it's now dropped down to eighth. So people people clearly uh, improving on that one. Uh, in seventh place, working our way up to seventh place, uh, is looking at the, uh, the APMs, the alternative performance measures. This has remained fairly, fairly static. It's in seventh place now. In the last two years, it was fifth and fifth. So going to seventh indicates a slight improvement. Uh, but things to look out for as far as uh, the alternative performance measures are concerned, two things perhaps in particular that uh, the Finance Reporting Council refer to. First of all, inconsistencies. What is, it, what, what, is it, what is an entity saying? What is a company saying with those alternative performance measures? And do they agree with what the company is actually doing and what they're actually disclosing elsewhere in the accounts? The other observation they have in relation to, to this uh, is in relation to insufficient explanations. So inconsistencies and insufficient explanations. So that's in seventh place. Uh, moving up to, uh, to sixth place, we've got provisions and contingencies. Now, this has, again, stayed fairly, fairly static over the last few years. Two years ago in seventh place then down to eighth, but now coming back up to sixth place. So it's in that sort of kind of middling area there uh, with provisions and contingencies. The kind of things that the Fires Reporting Council finding here um, in relation to dilapidations, dilapidation costs, and in a similar way to things we've already mentioned, what Finance Reporting Council finding here is that the accounting policy is unclear or indeed where there is an accounting policy, is inconsistent with the treatment that is shown elsewhere in the accounts. So we need to be careful from a uh, dilapidations perspective. 
Um, they also is that when we're talking about provisions, provisions are indeed provisions. And there seems to be some confusion between including a liability as a provision. So provisions are provisions, liabilities are liabilities. We need to make sure that we're not um, mixing the two up. And then one final little observation as far as provisions is concerned is that we're looking in terms of where there may be um, other provisions. So we're going to look at the accounts. We're going to go to the balance sheet. We're going to go to provisions. And there are provisions there. And there are some that are then specifically mentioned in the accounting, uh, in the notes to the accounts. And there's a provision maybe for dilapidations, as we were just mentioning, provisions for maybe onerous leases. But then the, a, a lot of companies have then got a general category of other provisions. And what the Finance Reporting Council was saying in relation to this is that there's large numbers. Um, so these, in terms of other provisions, the number could be particularly large, could be particularly significant, but there's no explanation. So we might have got two or three, which is specifically named, and then the others, actually the other is bigger than uh, everything else. So have a look where you've got other provisions. Do we need a little bit more detail uh, behind those? Up to fifth place. Fifth place uh, is revenue. And this, uh, for me, is a bit of an interesting one because two years ago, this was in third place. Last year, it was in second place. So there was an indication to some degree that it might be getting worse going from third to second, but now dropping down to fifth. So that is an improvement, which is which is great because going back two, three years on international accounting standards, revenue recognition was really, really tightened up. So IFRS 15, talking in terms of very rigid approach to revenue recognition, where is, when should revenue be recognised at a point in time or over time? So there have been actually a couple of reviews by the Finance Reporting Council. They've done one review and then they've updated the review. So hopefully people sort of taking note of the issues with it, given the fact that seemingly things have got a little better. But nonetheless, they have some comments in particular. Uh, first of all, uh, where you've got companies that might be operating as principal or indeed as agent. Finance Reporting Council saying there's uh, often uh, it's unclear in terms of how uh, how that revenue is being recognised. Are you recognising revenue as an agent or as a principal? And then in addition to that, um, need to have clearer disclosure in terms of the timing of revenue recognition just said that one of the main one of the main things that uh, IFRS 15 strives to do is to say is revenue recognized at a point in time or over time and therefore to that degree um, the timing needs to be identified and there needs to be better accounting policies in relation to those so there we are that's fifth place so we're now down to number four, or going up to number four. Uh, number four, uh, in terms of weaknesses and uh, problem areas in accounts, in fourth place is strategic reports. Now, strategic reports is a requirement of medium and large companies uh, in the in the UK, as well as any company that is in a group where it's an ineligible group. So strategic reports, it's now in fourth place. Two years ago, it was in sixth, eased back to seventh, but has gone up to fourth. So seemingly getting a little bit worse from that perspective. 
And um, to that degree, the comments from the Financial Reporting Council um, are really as follows. Um, financial reviews being focused on the current year's performance, and there's limited information on any changes since previous years. Seems to be almost have the, the blinkers on and only look at the current period. In addition to that, they comment that there are within the strategic report, many matters that may be missing. So, for example, where there may have been government funding because of uh, maybe because of the pandemic, maybe because there's things happening from a climate perspective. And the other, uh, the other one that they mentioned, which was missing, is where there are prior year adjustments. So make sure that the strategic review is indeed giving a thorough review, financial review, but not with the blinkers on just looking at the current period, compare it with current, uh, with compare it with previous periods, but also think in terms of what is particularly significant about the current current period. And so what's particularly what, what's particularly significant in terms of matters that are material this year that may not have been there in previous years. Then, of course, the strategic report has been uh, beefed up, been boosted over the last two or three years in terms of carbon reporting. And with carbon reporting, the Finance Reporting Council saying that there's some information that is missing. Uh, in particular, I've noticed that a uh, number of instances where the comparatives are missing. And then there's also Section 172 of the Companies Act. Section 172 is where the directors are now required to include in the strategic report how they are promoting the success of the company. But promoting the success of the company for the stakeholders. And if you go look at Section 172, it specifically says the stakeholders include, yes, of course, the membership, the uh, the, the shareholders. It also talks in terms of employees, but it talks about the stakeholders being members, employees, customers, suppliers, as well as the community and the environment. Financial Reporting Council saying in particular, people are not good at talking about suppliers and customers. So where you've got strategic reports, just have a little look at those to make sure that you're on top of those. So we're down to the uh, the worst three, or up to the worst three. In third place is what they call income taxes. But when they talk about income taxes in the accounting standards, what they're really meaning is corporation tax and deferred tax. Now, income tax two years ago wasn't in the top 10 worst performers. Last year, it sneaked in at ninth equal. This year, though, it's now up to third place. So clearly things going awry from, uh, from, a, from a taxation perspective, corporation tax and deferred tax. And the kind of things the Finance Reporting Council finding there, in particular as far as deferred tax assets, questioning whether deferred tax assets truly are recoverable. Now, deferred tax assets may, of course, be where you've got losses and you're carrying those losses forward to set off against future profits. And in particular, what uh, what was being noted was that companies that have been incurring losses for a number of years, but all of a sudden saying, ah, oh, but next year we're going to be making some profits. Is that truly the case? Is that truly recoverable? Okay. Of course, in addition to uh, dealing with um, a deferred tax and corporation tax, we end up also having to have 
disclosure in terms of a reconciliation. And they note that there's often inadequate uh, uh, reconciliations or indeed errors in the reconciliations. And other matters that they mention from a tax perspective is uh, a lack of a lack of disclosure where there may be tax related disputes and also where there may be tax on share based payments. That's not done particularly well. So that's third place. Let's moving up now to second place. In second place, something that's gone from fourth place two years ago, eased back to sixth place, but is now in second place, financial instruments. Now, financial instruments, of course, could be uh, in, in terms of UK, UK GAAP, we're talking in terms of basic and non-basic. On international accounting standards, it's just kind of across the board financial instruments. Uh, many things that they talk about on financial instruments, but it's really driven from two perspectives. One perspective is the accounting treatment. The other is from a disclosure perspective. And first of all, from a disclosure perspective, the comments surround liquidity risk and credit risk. And with liquidity risk, poor disclosure um, on things perhaps other than invoice discounting, with credit risk often not really being addressed. So whether it be your financial instruments within uh, financial assets or financial liabilities, we need to be thinking and disclosing appropriately uh, liquidity risk and credit risk in accordance with IFRS 7. But then as far as the actual accounting matters are concerned, they um, <clears throat> a lot of this is down to having inadequate explanations either within the notes themselves or within the accounting policies. And in particular, they note that with derivatives, uh, treatment inadequately explained. Likewise for accounting for uh, forward purchase contracts. Um, maybe also in terms of having inappropriate discount rates. And then also impairment assessment, particularly where we're looking at financial assets other than trade uh, receivables. So that's taking us up as far as uh, second place is concerned. So we're now to first place. Two years ago was in seventh place. Last year, it was in third place, but now the worst performer identified uh, in the Financial Reporting Council's review uh, through to 31st of March 2022 are cash flow statements. For some people, that might be a little bit of a surprise, but actually over the last year or so, the Financial Reporting Council have actually issued thematic reviews from an accounting perspective and also feedback from an auditing perspective. They've actually quite separately, they've said that as far as auditing is concerned, if we go back a year, um, <clears throat> what they said is that they were finding in reviewing the audit work that was being done by firms on cash flow statements, they were finding that it was something in the region of uh, 9%, 9% of all files that they reviewed. In, in other words, 11%-ish. But what that was then kind of doubled. So it went from 9% 9 up to sort of more up to like the 17%. So from an auditing perspective, not done particularly well, but also from a presentation perspective. So coming back to it, to the comments in their, uh, their review, they're saying cash flow statements in the parent company accounts 
cash flows in the parent company accounts often included in operating when in fact might be financing costs. So if you've got interest that's being charged that's really sort of you know financing um you know, dividends yes that may be uh, may also be sort of dealt with as far as financing is concerned so be careful in that distinction between when you're looking at the overall position from a group perspective but also when you're just looking at the parent entity accounting policies saying that there are some areas with which are weak from an accounting policy perspective and in particular there uh, where you're dealing with the capitalization of operating leases, where you when you're determining what interest rate you will use, that interest rate might be either the implicit rate of interest or the marginal cost of borrowing. And what they're saying is that in many instances, um, what you need to do is you need to determine which one it is. Um, and explain that. That's part of the leasing disclosure, which is kind of dropped out of the top 10. Um, so you need an accounting policy. But it also then says you have the choice, having determined what interest rate you're going to use, you have the choice of determining whether that interest is an operating expense or a financing cost. But you need to explain in your accounting policy which one you've gone with. Other things as far as cash flow statements are concerned, including non-cash items. Now, for example, we know that we will add back depreciation, we'll add back amortization, because that does not involve the movement of cash. And instead, what we'll be doing is saying, well, what's the purchase of fixed assets? Now, that's assuming that with when you're talking about the purchase of fixed assets, that you are indeed buying fixed assets. Because within additions to fixed assets, on international accounting standards, where you are capitalizing an operating lease, that is an addition to fixed assets. It's an addition to right-of-use assets but it is not an addition that includes cash flows purchasing fixed assets. So errors on things like that, and then also inconsistencies between what you've got in the cash flow statement and what you've got elsewhere in the accounts. And I think most people would be saying, well, what's the movement on the cash flow statement? Uh, and does that agree with the uh, the difference between closing cash last year and closing cash this year, that's probably an easy one to, to spot. But when you're dealing with the indirect method and you're looking at the movements of stocks and debtors and creditors, do they agree with the difference between last year and this year? And what about the add back of depreciation and amortization? Do they agree with the fixed asset notes? So there we are. We've got the 10 and first place cash flow statements, second place uh, financial instruments, third place the taxes, fourth place strategic reports, fifth place revenue, sixth place provisions and contingencies, seventh those alternative performance measures, eighth place judgments and estimates, and then in ninth equal impairment of assets and presentation of financial statements and other disclosures. So there we are. I hope you found that a useful little run through what uh, the Financial Reporting Council gave us in terms of their annual review of corporate reporting. Thanks very much. Nice to have been with you. Look forward to being with you on a future podcast. Thanks very much.